Hey, Home Grand Church. Great to be with you guys all the way from cold, rainy Cape Town. Thank you for letting me into your warm, snuggly Durban home. I miss coming to your part of the world, but alas, with COVID around, they won't let us Western Capers come anywhere near you guys. Um, happy Father's Day, by the way, to uh, everybody out there. Um, Julie and I spent some time with Home Grand Church not so long ago, and uh, we really miss you guys. And we love the name Home Grand Church. Um, and parenting, it's Father's Day today, is, is uh, something crazy in this time, isn't it? Crazy uh, parenting in crazy times. I mean, the homeschooling's taken it to another level. Julie and I have got five kids that we're homeschooling, and they are getting what they pay for. They've got a very shoddy homeschool. Uh, but thankfully, the older kids are starting to help us homeschool the younger kids. The other day, Finn, who is nine, is teaching Ivy seven what a, a noun is. And I uh, hear him saying, Ivy, remember the three questions. Ask yourself, can you, can you touch it? Can you kick it? And can you spit at it? Because if you can, it's a noun. I'll never forget what a noun is. And then there's the crazy time of the protests that are happening around the world in our country, where we are being challenged as a society to really love people and think what that means. Which reminds me of the other day of Charlie climbing into the bed with Julie and I and saying, Mom, Dad, I know the worst swear word. Julie and I look at each other nervously and Julie says, well, what's the first letter? And he goes, huh, as in H. We are relieved. And he says, and it ends with eight. Come to think of it, Hate probably is the worst swear word, which is why I'm so glad today to speak to you about the love of God. I want to speak to you on Father's Day about God as our loving Father. And I pray that even as I speak, some of you have a homecoming experience and uh, come to know God as your Father. And those that already know the Father, you would know Him more, more and more deeply. And then I'm also thinking of those of you who are parents or grandparents or going to be parents, whether you're dad or mom, uh, that, that as you hear this message about God is your father, it would work into your life in such a way that it changes the very way you parent your children. You parent your children so that as they experience you as their parent, you'll never be a perfect parent. It has some, uh, it makes it easier for them to at least imagine what God is like. And what I want to do is I want to read just three verses to you. And then I want to unpack that to you and answer the question, if God is our father, then what? So here are the three verses from Romans 8 verses 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, you have received the Spirit of adoption. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit uh, that we are God's children. This is God's Word. And it's jam-packed with the good stuff. You see, the amazing truth is that God adopts us as his kids. He takes us in as his children. We receive the spirit of adoption and by him we cry, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Wow. So God is our creator. Uh, unless you're an atheist, and I, if you are, I'm delighted you're listening. You already believe that or you're open to believing that. But what a surprise that our creator also wants to be our father. Hey, by the way, if you're new to church or to Jesus's teaching, you might have thought that all humans are automatically God's adopted children. 
And that's not what uh, Jesus teaches. By the way, only Christianity of all the major religions even has this idea of being God's child. For example, Islam does not believe God is our father. I remember reading a biography called I Dare to Call Him Father. It tells the story of a Muslim woman who started to read the Bible alongside the Quran. And as she realized the essential message of the two was quite incompatible, she cried out, God, which book is your book? And she tells how God spoke back to her in a near audible voice saying, the one by which you can call me father. Wow. The Gospel of John says to those who received Jesus and believed in his name, he gave them the privilege to be children of God. You see, adoption into God's family is not automatic. Even if you are born in a family where your parents are children of God, there still comes a day when you receive Jesus and and you believe in his name and, and are given the privilege to be a child of God. And by the way, by the way, um, God does the adopting. He's the one who takes the initiative. I mean, it's what it's all about. He did it by sending his son, Jesus. You see, uh, the son of God became human so that we humans can become sons and daughters of God. Another verse uh, puts it like this. When the time had fully come, God sent his son into the world that we might receive the full rights of sons. And then another verse uh, says, Jesus tasted death in our place in order to bring many sons and daughters to glory. You see, our adoption papers were signed in blood. So Jesus is the son of God, but each of us is invited to be a son or a daughter of God. We're the same father as Jesus, but we're different to our older brother Jesus. I mean, he is divine. We are not. He is to be worshipped. We are to worship. He is the father's son from eternity past to eternity future where our, our daughtership or sonship has a starting point. So our, our sonship and daughtership is a bit different to Jesus' sonship. But, and this blows my mind, Jesus reveals in a prayer that the father loves us adopted sons and daughters as much as he loves Jesus. John 17, 23 says as much. Hey, when I was 16, my father died. He was only 36 at the time. He died of another pandemic, HIV AIDS. Horrible, horrible. And when he died, I felt so bare. I felt so exposed. But then six months later, I heard the message about God's love for me. And it hit me with such power. And I believed. And I received the privilege of being God's child. And I can't begin to explain the relief of being covered by a father, this time a father that I could not lose. And he's been with me ever since. If God is your father, then what? That's what I want to speak about today. If God is your father, then what? And I'm going to fly through six stunning points. Here we go. If God is your father, then you are the apple of his eye. You are the apple of of his eye. You see, the opening lines of today's verses are all those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. Some Bible commentators say this is a deliberate echo of, of a verse in the Old Testament which says, God found him in a desert land and he led him about, instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. You see, God leads those that he loves and he does love you. 
God is not only your creator taking a general interest in you, he is your father taking a very particular interest in you. Although he has many children, he loves you as much as he loves his first, <laughs> Jesus. See, each of us is the apple of his eye. I've got five kids. When Eli was born, Julie and I gave our whole heart to him. So when Julie was about to have the second, <laughs> we wondered what else in us we had to give. But amazingly, it's like our heart was a house and a whole new room appeared. We were able to give our whole heart to Finn, loving him as much as Eli. And so it carried on, uh, you know, a new room for Ivy and two new rooms for the twins. I've got five favorites, favorites. And what I do is tell each of them that they are my favorite because it's true. Hey, Parents of more than one kid, I pray God gives you wisdom to not compare your kids to one another, to treat them each as they are and never let them even imagine that you prefer one to the other. And that's the first thing. The second thing is, if God is your father, then trust him with your vulnerabilities. Trust him with your vulnerabilities. You see, good parents meet the needs of their children and sometimes even some of their wants. And they do this in the wisest possible way. Psalm 103 is called the Psalm of the Father. It's the only one of the Psalms that unpacks the idea of being God's child. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. And what the Psalm does is it details the kinds of needs our father can meet. So when we have done something wrong, our Father takes us as we are. We can pray to Him to forgive us all our sins, verse 3. Or when our body is broken, hurting, we can ask Him to heal us, for He is able to heal all our diseases. Or when we're stuck in a hole or we're out of options, He is able to redeem our lives from the pit. Or when we feel dishonored or overlooked, He is the Father who crowns us with love and compassion. Or when we're tired, we're weary, we can ask our Father to renew our youth like the eagles. Or when we're victims of injustice, we can call on the God who works justice for all the oppressed. Whatever we need, whether guidance, provision, protection, we can call out, Abba, Father, help me. Our prayers will not fall on deaf ears. Now, why does God not always give us what we ask? And one reason is because he knows better. <laughs> My kids often ask for things they want that I know will actually harm them. I mean, Sam wants to play in the road. Finn wants to fly a helicopter. Charlie, who's five, wants to finish my trick so that he can get on with his free life this year. See, when it comes to prayer, God does answer us, but sometimes he translates our prayers. He gives us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knows. You see, he sees the real need under the request and he meets that need. So we pray, God, I'm lonely. Give me my person. And he says, I give you me. But still we ask and we take our vulnerabilities to him. And then number three, if God is your father, then don't fear being inadequate. Don't fear being inadequate. I mean, those verses about how the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. What is our greatest fear? It's that we will not be accepted, not be enough. We'll be rejected. And the heart of this fear is the belief that we have to earn our way into some circle of people by our performance. And if we slip in our performance, then surely we will be rejected. 
Oh, but see, in God's family, we are accepted on the basis of grace, not, not performance. We don't earn our adoption nor our place in God's family. It's all grace. There's many exclusive clubs that motivate people by offering them higher levels of status. So we may be blue level, but others are gold level. We're not yet VIPs. But in God's family, we're all gold level. We're all VIPs. And then number four, if God is your father, you don't have to fear being punished. You don't fear being punished. Again, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. By the way, there is such a thing as God's discipline. I mean, one verse says, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and accepts as his child. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Hebrews 12. But look close, closely at those verses. God will rebuke us if needs be, but he'll never reject us. See, he will not punish us, but he will discipline us. The punishment our sins deserve has already fallen on another. Good parents, like God, don't punish their children, but they do uh, discipline them. Uh, God loves us so much that he accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us like that. So he might, may allow certain hardships to put pressure upon us in the right direction. So to speed up an area of our lives where we are slow to listen and obey, but it's all from love. Hey, parents, this is so important. How to lovingly deal with the rebellion and the folly and the blind spots of our kids. However we do that, we don't condemn them. We don't punish them. There's a way of dealing with it that they know that we are for them, not against them. We lovingly correct them as good parents, but we don't condemn them. We don't punish them. And then number five, if God is our father, then uh, let him teach you how to live. Let him teach you how to live. Parents, I hope you realize that good parenting is not just about giving your kids food and an education and a room to stay and even a healthy self-esteem. All good. Good parenting is being very intentional about inscribing something into our kids, teaching them how to live. You see, God is a good parent and he teaches us how to live. One verse says, all scripture is God-breathed. Father breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in right living so that the person is thoroughly equipped for every good work. And when you read the Bible, I, I love to read and reflect on the scriptures. It's the words of a father who wants what's best for me, teaching me how to live. Hey, Christian parents, I, I hope that you are super focused on teaching your kids what's important, what's best, what's right. Teach them value-based decisions. And if you are a Christian, that includes teaching them the scriptures, the gospel, teaching them the difference that all of this makes in every situation they find themselves in. The other day, uh, my five-year-old Sam hears about his older cousin's baptism. And he comes to me and he says, Dad, I need you to teach me more about God. And, and when you've done that, can you baptize me? Oh boy, I said to him, of course I can teach you more about God, but you might need to wait a few years for the baptism. That's fine, Dad. Can you, can you start teaching me more about God today? Sure, tonight's a good time. Huh? Maybe bedtime we can start. Thanks, Dad. Then when we wake up tomorrow, can you teach me more? Of course, boy. I love that, Sam. 
And uh, I, by the way, since then I've taught him five short uh, memory verses and he's just like a sponge taking it in. Uh, so what do we have so far? If God is your father, then you are the apple of his eye. And, and number two, you can trust him with your vulnerabilities and you don't need to fear being inadequate. You don't need to fear being punished and you can let him teach you how to live. Hey, there's one more thing. Number six, if God is your father, then, then affirm and enjoy his love for you. Affirm and enjoy his love for you. The verse says, by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is the Palestinian word for father, affectionately used by little children. It's similar to Papa or Daddy. Small children of all cultures tend to latch onto these two-syllable names for their parents, Mama, Dada, Papa. It implies an implicit trust and dependency. And then the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Hey, see that there are two that are testifying. First, our spirit testifies that we are God's child. See, once you're part of God's family, there will be many times in your life when you will doubt whether God really loves you. Your job then is to testify to yourself. You look yourself in the mirror. You say, Taryn, you might feel abandoned, but you are loved beyond your wildest imagining. See, you have to affirm by faith that God loves you. But I'm so grateful there's more than that. I'm grateful that there is another one who comes and testifies. See, it says the Spirit himself testifies alongside our spirit that we are God's children. And what's that about, the Spirit testifying to us? Well, that's about those times when God pours out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Those times when we become supernaturally aware of God's love. When we experience the Father's affection. See, in, in those moments, he takes us beyond the fact of his love to the feeling of it. And, and what we believe becomes something we know beyond doubt. Doctrine becomes dynamite. There's an immediacy about it. God's presence and his power becomes an almost tangible reality. Our spiritual senses are supercharged with the nearness and the goodness of God. Maybe an analogy will help you. So a child walks down the road uh, hand in hand with her father. And then suddenly the father stops and scoops her up and squeezes her tightly and whispers in her ear. I love you so much. You're mine. I'm yours. There is nothing I would not do for you. Now, in that moment, the child does not intellectually learn anything new. She already knew that the father loves her. Yet this experience of the father's arms and the father's whisper has a way of sending that love deeper in. It settles something in her. It makes her soul want to sing. She knows, even feels who she is, a loved child. She knows that she will never be abandoned. There's, there's this more security and confidence See, the Christian life is mainly a life of faith. We live every day hand in hand with God, drawing close to him in trust, affirming that we're loved. But it's also a life in the spirit. And the spirit at times communicates the warmth and the intensity of God's goodness and love and nearness and power to us. And we can't generate these experiences. God chooses his moments. Sometimes they come upon us. Or when we least expect it, other times uh, we're asking for more of God's presence in our lives. And he answers. I mean, these experiences may vary in intensity. The spirit may come with the gentleness of a dove or with the dramatic Pentecost wind and fire. Regardless, we can 
uh, certainly make more space in our lives for him to do this. I mean, if we want the sun to shine on us, we need to walk out into the open and look up. We can, we can reflect on the scriptures about God's love and power. We could spend time in prayer. We could meet with other believers, even if it's on a Zoom meeting, in prayer and worship. Or ask people who have powerfully experienced the Spirit to pray the same for us. Perhaps even now. I mean, this very moment, you can sense the Father saying to you by the Spirit, I love you so much. You're mine and I am yours and there is nothing I would not do for you. <sighs> Let's pray. God, help us to know your love. Help us to know you as our loving Father. God, help us to become better parents. Parents who display your unconditional love and lavish affection to our children. Hey, maybe some of you, uh, this is your, your homecoming day. You've not yet received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Savior. Well, I reckon now is the best time to cross that line of faith. And I can guide you in a simple prayer of faith if you want. I'll give it to you. Here we go. God, thank you that you love me so much. Can you say those words? God, thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you made me. Thank you that you sent your son uh, to this world uh, to rescue us. Jesus, I trust in you. Please forgive my sins. God, please put your spirit inside of me. Take me as your child. Take me into your family. And uh, God, teach me to trust you. Teach me to follow you from this day on. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer, when I was 16 years old, I prayed a prayer similar to that. And a door opened into the very heart of God where I could know God as my father. And I could know that I am his child. And there really is no greater privilege in all the world. I mean, the, the best things really are for free. This adoption into God's family, I didn't pay for it. I didn't earn it. And yet it was paid for by Jesus who signed the adoption papers in his blood. What an amazing privilege. And for those of you that have come into the family today, I'm so delighted. I can hang out with you in heaven for one. But I pray for you that God helps you take these next few steps. And since you connected a little bit with Homeground Church, I pray that you will find your home in that amazing community of people. Hey, Homeground Church, lots of love to you guys. Happy Father's Day again. And may you know the Father better and better. And parents, hey, if God's fathering of us could rub off on how we father our kids, wouldn't that be fantastic? Lots of love.